Hi guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of Millennial Mirrors, a discussion on millennial life in the Middle East. So this episode is about Arab identity. I think it's so easy to kind of get enclosed in what your view of Arab identity is, uh, depending on where you're from. Like for me, as a Khaliji who's grown up and lived most of my life in the Gulf, I think I see it in a very specific way. And I wanted to kind of explore what other ways you could look at it and how things are changing uh, for the Arab identity. And so I brought in Oti and Sufyan, both guys who study it and look at it from different perspectives. And we had a really interesting discussion. So listen in and I hope you like it. This episode is sponsored by Carriage, a great app for ordering what you need in a super convenient way with no minimum orders. You could literally just order a cup of coffee. Okay, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hey. Um, so let's start with you guys just giving people a quick introduction. So All do you right. want to start, OT? Yes, sir. So my name is Omar Tom, commonly known as OT. I come from an advertising background. I used to be a strategic planner and eventually left that to start my own agency. And now I pretty much run the most unorthodox, unusual uh, creative agency model from that operates between a consultancy as well as a content development business. To say the least. <laughs> to say the least. Um, I wear many hats throughout the day. It just depends on what time of the day it is, and I do different roles. But that was initially born out of the Dukan Show podcast, which I started back in late 2015. Amazing. Very cool. And over to Sofyan. Yeah, so I'm Sofyan, Sofyan Simrabat. Um, I've been in Dubai for more than 11 years. I'm French Algerian, and I'm actually leading now two creative uh, ventures. The first one is the Confused Arab, which is uh, specially focused on Arab identities. Yeah. With an S, very important. And um, other key agency I'm working on is Carta. Uh, She's uh, specialized on cultural marketing and luxury marketing. Amazing. So the reason I kind of wanted both of you guys on this episode is because this episode is about Arab identity. And I think both of you guys do quite a bit Sweet. to, I guess, study that or look at it. So I let's start with what does identity mean to you? Like, mm. wh- how do you define it? Good one. Um, I think for me today, identity is... A bit of an in an I'm in an unusual space with identity at the moment because okay. identity is pretty much who who you are, whether as an individual or as a collective, right? Um, so it's either who I am or who we are, and that's uh, usually how I look at it. And then there's an initial system of borders that have been designed, and right. then that tells you what your identity is as a collective, but then that is not necessarily it doesn't necessarily hold true to the experience anymore. So, for example, um, a friend of ours who is, his pa- his grandparents came to the UAE during the oil industry, mm-hmm. the oil industry when it first kicked off and they were the, some of the first expats to come out here. They're originally British. Yeah. And then his parents met in high school here. Okay. Right? So his grandparents from both his mom and his dad's side and then both his parents met here. Wow. He was born and raised here. Does... So where is he from? So right? this is a question so then that's I always kind of, struggle with. What yeah. do you like? What do you say when people ask you where you're from? Because I get asked that question, yeah. and I'm like, "Well, I'm from Kuwait, where I was born and raised, but my dad's Saudi." Yeah. Um, 
which, so that's what my passport <laughs> is. But I've been living here for four years. And then, I, of course, I speak with this accent. So that just so confuses that everyone completely. Yeah. So how do you answer that question when people are like... So that's the fun one. I always tell people I'm Sudanese and... I, it depends who I'm talking to. And I think right. this is the interesting bit. It's so subjective because with some people, I feel like I don't need to give too much of an explanation. Yeah. Um, with Arabs, I feel this a lot where I feel like I need to give it context yeah. before I get stereotyped. Like I yeah, try to yeah, stop yeah. it before I get put in that box. Let yeah. me tell you where I'm actually from, right. you know, kind of thing. So it's like, okay, so I'm Sudanese, um, born not only in Sudan, but like in my mom's bedroom and the city she's from. And then I spent the earlier years of my life Partially in the UAE because that's where my dad set his business. But then I grew up in different parts of the world because we travel so much. So I spent years in the UK. I spent years yeah, in the US. And exactly. I spent years in East Asia. It's in the most unusual places. But, you know, the UAE somewhat was kind of home. We come back here. And then in my late... In, my college years and later on, I moved to the States. And I lived in right. the Bay Area for a while. So I didn't come back to the UAE till 2015. Right. So because of that, it's always like I feel the need to explain this. You have to like give um, a lot of context. Exactly. And then yeah. they want to know where my accent comes from. And then it's this whole thing. Like, Because <laughs> <laughs> for the, um, I used to, in advertising, I used to work for this agency and for a couple of years. And throughout the, that time, I wouldn't, I, I just, there were no points of time where I needed to speak in Arabic for whatever reason. It just it yeah. didn't come up. Oh. And people just assumed I was American the whole time. I don't know oh, when okay. I wasn't. And I'll never forget this experience. My mom called and I picked up the phone in the elevator. And I was just talking to my mom in Arabic. And those girls shrieked, like in a horror movie. She shrieked. Oh, wow. And she looked at me with this smile. She's like, oh, my God, you speak Arabic. I'm like, um, yes, 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 I do. <laughs> yes. Like, but how? Where did you learn? And I'm like, um, because I am Arab. <laughs> right? Like, and then I felt yeah. the need to kind of explain, explain it to her. I'm like, more. here's some water. Calm down. Take right? a deep yeah. breath. Everything's okay. You know, Nothing has changed. Shock. I'm still the, <laughs> the same guy. The guy right? um, so it's always, it's always a difficult yeah. conversation. So that's where the, the third culture kid statement that helped so me start the cancel We'll came. get to that part. But before yes. we go to there, so what are your thoughts on all of this, Sufyan? In terms of like what identity is? So... I mean, identity for me is, I mean, it's like, uh, it's that actually you have different ways of uh, defining identities. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've noticed, I always like prefer to speak about identities that plural because mm. identity is, it starts with I. So yeah, this is who I am and it ends with why, yeah. which is like just to tell you who you think I am. Uh, so identity can be like a key for you just to introduce yourself to people, but at mm -hmm. the same time, can be also um, a filter through which people are going to judge you, mm. to apprehend you. As Omar was saying, uh, I mean, it depends. It's actually, I did last year an installation called Hawa City, which was about how identities are constructions. Right. Because, I mean, it takes time to build your own identity because mm -hmm. you have different kind of identities. You have social, sexual, religious identities, cultural identities, and you have to pick one. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the society by itself will give you one, will stamp you on, mm -hmm. will tattoo uh, some identities on you. But then after you need to choose on which cards you want to choose. So I think it's like a game. I like to see it as a game. I agree. Yeah. Nice one, right? I'm not... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you remember Jawods? Like yeah. the Camelon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends exactly which kind of identity you yeah. want to play on. Uh, so ever shifting and you pull out whatever identity you feel you being need to. Being very, yeah, but being 
being very loyal to who you are. Mm-hmm. What I mean is that uh, I don't want to to appear as someone like being uh, like a player, like, yeah. not in the sense you believe. Uh, no, not, <laughs> not in the black sense. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that you, you can play with your identities, but yeah. first of all, you need to know who you are. True. And to build yourself, and then after you can play with it. I got that. Yeah. It's kind of like you leverage it to that situation you're in, Definitely, to what works yes. to your advantage, right? Yeah. Yes. I feel I've, I've seen that with Reem a lot, because Reem is half Iraqi, half Filipino, Canadian. Right. So it depends who she talking to, that answer always changes. Which right? I think I think that's very much happening more and more. Um, and that's where we come to the whole third culture mm-hmm. kid thing you were talking about before. So do you want to kind of give people, I guess, a definition of what a third culture kid is? Sure. So the, um, uh, the book definition is uh, people that grew up in a country that is not their parents developing. Uh, they're not, not their parents' origin. Um, or some others would say they spent their developing years in a country that is not where their parents are from. Right. Um, but the main thing about being a third culture kid with identity is the fact that you just don't fit in. You're the other. Right. right. So, for example, if you're in a school of science majors and you're a jock, yeah. you don't fit in, right? Or if you're in a school of jocks and you're the scientist, you're you know you you don't fit in in that sense. Um, so, the shared commonality across third culture kids is the struggle of answering where is home. Right. Right. As you're saying, you know, your dad's Saudi, but then Kuwait, but then here, and yeah. your accent, like, so where is home? Where do you pinpoint that to? So with the increasing number of, let's say, global citizens and third culture kids or neo-Bedouins or mm. however you want to define it, like... I'd like diaspora, actually. Hmm? Diaspora. I like diaspora. Diaspora, okay. I'll fine. tell you after why. So I just wanted to take a moment to define diaspora or diaspora, depending on how you want to pronounce it, because the guys use it quite a bit in this episode. It's defined as a large group of people with a similar heritage or homeland who have since moved out to places all over the world. Now back to the episode. What are you, how do you think that's affecting the collective Arab identity? Because I think we can't, we can't deny the fact that it's becoming a bigger and bigger kind of percentage of the population in terms of the Middle East, the, the third culture kids, the people who are moving here for work and all these kinds of things. So how do you think that affects the Arab identity as like a collective? So I'll come back to the diaspora thing because mm-hmm. it's very linked to mm-hmm. what you just mentioned. Uh, being part of a diaspora means that you are part of the same people. Mm-hmm. And you share the same history and also the same, um, I won't say objective, but the same, uh, you're sharing the same, um, how can I say, uh, plan for your people. Right. It means that, uh, for example, I'm part, I do consider myself being part of the Arab diaspora, even though yeah. I was born in France, I grew up in France. You know, like you guys you would be very surprised to see where the, the confused Arab <laughs> like, was born and grew yeah. up. I was born like in uh, Amélie Poulain, a uh, small uh, French city. Okay. Um, but because I was part of a family where I've been educated in the fact that we are Arab, uh, Berber, North African, mm-hmm. that was part of my culture. Mm-hmm. And the, the the idea of diaspora is like, um, even though uh, I'm North African, even though I'm French, uh, Algerian, when I see what's going on in Sudan or what's mm-hmm. going on, for example, uh, I don't know, in Iraq or in Palestine or somewhere else, I had the feel that my people mm-hmm. was affected or my people was performing or my people. So that's a key point, just the Arabness. Yeah. But then after this new Arabness is also um, is new because it's very different from uh, pan Arabism, you know, like and we're very far from uh, Nasserism and what happened in the 70s, 40s, 50s, 60s and until lately. 
so I think uh, culture is a, is a big part of it because we are sharing uh, some cultural values. Okay. It means also that we do accept some differences, and that's that's major. I think that Omar, when you were saying that people were surprised that yeah. that yeah you're not American but you're Arab, it's because people tend to think that Arab is one kind of thing. That so, Arab eats, uh, that Arabs eat the shawarma, they smoke shisha, and they. Well, I'm from a place yeah. where we don't do that. Yeah. So, what are the shared values? Some of the shared values that you think we have as Arabs. I'll start. I mean, more than more than values, because I mean, when I say values, it's more like history, culture. Okay. Uh, what do I mean by history? Is just like referring to. Uh, to a lost past. And mm. I think that that was one of the big issues we had, like as Arabs, is that for a long time, we were more referring to the past than to the future. That's why, you know, like in the Confused Arab, I'm always mentioning something which is like uh, uh, the future of nostalgia. Yeah. Mm. So because we all grew up with nostalgia. Yeah. Telling us that, yeah, it used to be before, it used to be better before, that uh, you don't know We're how romantic it was before. Yeah. Exactly. Past, yeah. And people forgetting that nostalgia is a filter. It's yeah. a filter of the past. You only remember the good times. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. like we all saw these pictures of, uh, I don't know, Baghdad or Cairo in the, in the 40s, 50s, women yeah. wearing uh, miniskirts. Yeah. yeah, but how many of those? Mm. The majority of ladies, like, were not going to school. Yeah. Uh, the, the level of uh, literacy was, was not lower, the same, definitely. was lower, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that we need to, to look at, at the glass half empty and half full also or just be a bit more realistic about the nostalgia yeah, that we have exactly and to some extent also i think that this nostalgia is not just bad mm-hmm. and we can take it positively but just to build something new mm-hmm. that's the idea behind yeah. like the future of nostalgia yeah i think i like, agree i totally agree because like um uh there we had this family debate once um they got a bit heated because um my dad so you know my dad's talking about reinvesting back in Sudan and business and different things mm-hmm. and I was all for it but he kept talking about this romance of how great it is and all these great things that are happening I'm like wait that's not today's reality he's like yeah it's not but it's like back in my day and I'm like see I get back in your day where are we moving to because when you're telling me hmm. business investment and we're going to put cash in and actually build the business yeah this is not a back in my day conversation yeah. anymore. this is a future conversation right exactly. right and trying to gauge that filter and trying to help him see that okay baba it's not the way you used to think it is it's yeah. not like that anymore and he's conscious he's aware of it but he believes but also to his credit he believes it's cyclical right so it's like it's bad now, it's about to get better, and uh, it's okay. going to become like the good old days. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So it's like, okay, there's a point to that as well. Um, and I find that really interesting because, the, to your point, like the nostalgia is beautiful. It makes you feel good. You remember the good times. But then, yeah, there were a lot of people that are uneducated. There was polio. Yeah. There were all these issues and problems that did exist as well. So how do we balance that? And you know, how do we come together, I think, when we talk about Arab identity and Arab diaspora as a, as a collective group of people because I think that I personally, what I experience and I find difficult sometimes is the inter-Arab racism. Right. And I think that tends to be a bit more, I think it's passive nature mm-hmm. makes it a lot tougher to manage as, as opposed to American, for example. Like, I remember I'm walking in the street in California, this lady comes up to me, I don't like your kindness, old lady, um, interaction. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas an Arab one, you will have interactions but it's incredibly passive. They're not they in your come face in, like, about They're it. not going to say it to your face. It'll just exactly. be like under... Right? Yeah, so under, then, but then like, that impacts your well-being. Right. Again, I would say it depends which kind of Arabs. Yeah, of course, guaranteed, yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know. 
Um, and I think we we experienced it in different different ways and different yeah. ways. So it's like okay, um, like in the advertising industry, it, it's very heavy. Right. I feel it so heavily, yeah. right? Anjad, um, <laughs> Anjad, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, guys. Right? So we're gonna take a quick break, uh, yeah. and then we'll be back with more from Ot and Sufyan. This episode is sponsored by Carriage UAE, where you can get everything from food to groceries and even pet supplies. As someone who orders pretty much everything, I pay a lot in delivery charges every month. But now you can sign up for Carriage Black for 20 dirhams a month and get unlimited free deliveries, which saves me a bunch of money so I can order even more stuff. If you haven't tried it out yet, go to your app store and download the Carriage app. Check out the episode description of this podcast for more info. So we're back with Oti and Sufyan, and we Hello. were talking about, um, I guess, inter-Arab mm-hmm. racism. So yeah. take it away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll tr- I mean, I'll try to keep it brief because we already kind of spoke about it. But I think the thing is that with the inter-Arab racism is that um, there's preferences that tend to be mostly post-colonial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had this debate, funny enough, with a Nigerian girl yesterday um, about... The impact of this, she's like, you know, we shouldn't just think about, you know, bl- we shouldn't blame everything on being post-colonial. Like, well, that is true, yes. Uh, Can but you just define post-colonial for listeners who might okay. not know? Okay, so especially um, to be more specific. France Fanon. <laughs> <laughs> to be more specific to the Arab world itself, yeah. um, we're all colonized by European countries. And then right. that that experience includes the borders that have been created mm-hmm. um, in an African context, the African debt. For example, France today actually lives, relies heavily on the African debt that they've created from thin air, in a way. Um, and uh, we had uh, England, Italy, um, and they kind of just, when they left the Middle East and they left uh, Africa, they left it with a big dent and a large mm-hmm. impact on it. Uh, for example, Sudan was a, a British colon, was colonized by the Brits at some right. point. So um, when they did, when they left, and this is, you, you feel this experience across the Middle East, there's a preference to lighter skin, uh, yeah. there's a preference to um, um, colored eyes, less kinky hair, right? right? Yeah. Um, so for example, within Sudan, they call it colorism. Uh, right? Okay. So if you're light skinned, you know, there's just better opportunities in life generally for you in Sudan. You know, if your hair is less kinky, you get better opportunities. Well, I mean, it's still um, till today. Like, it, our parents used to yell at us if we were out in the sun for too long because exactly. you're getting dark, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and it, you've been conditioned. Like, yeah. sometimes a mom would tell her kids, like, yo, don't wear an afro. That's not, that is not a professional look. Right. Then why is an afro not a professional look when that's your natural hair? So then it leaves you with these questions. Um, in an Arab context, I think that resulted in racism. There were art, There were celebrities and artists and people that would come into public spaces and speak about it when it seems normal. Yeah. Um, for example, last year, Ramadan, the Kuwaiti series that had the joke, yeah, that, that had blackface. These two comedians, straight up blackface and this uh, stereotyping joke of Sudanese people that caused ruckus on the internet. And yeah. um, and if, if I could add something, yeah, if I could add something else, I think more than colorism, I mean, you have colorism, but yeah. also you have like social racism, especially like if you speak mm-hmm. about Sudanese, thinking that they are lazy, yeah. that they... They slow, they, and they, people will think that is quite normal. Just but to I mean, that. that's that's something. I mean, it's with so. I mean, I feel like in the Middle East, mm. every country has its stereotypes of the other countries, whether it's Sudanese, it whether does. it's like whether but it's you, Khalijis, you know, Shari, whether it's all of that. You, you know, know what just I mean? like 
you know, you said Middle East. I'm not Middle Eastern. Yeah, that's, that's true. So Middle East, it's not Middle Eastern either. <laughs> that's yeah. true. I so it. I think Arab. It's, it's Arab, yeah. No, yeah. Middle East and North yeah. Africa. North yeah. Africa, yeah. Because um, I think something also which is like major, that's, I mean, when you look at the history of the so-called Arab world, I do believe that we are sharing a lot of, I said, history, mm-hmm. values, mm-hmm. Uh, beyond religion. I'm just yeah. talking yeah. language also, because that's very interesting when you look at uh, how Arabization uh, was done, you know, like mm-hmm. through different uh, regions. Um, you have like racism. You you were mentioning like mm-hmm. uh, modern Bedouin or like... Yeah, like a new... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now Bedouin, I mean, now Bedouin comes with neo-tribalism. Yes. And that's very important. It means also that you have a classification. Yeah. You mean that, and that's very interesting because money can change also this classification. Um, I would say in the 50s to 70s, let's say 90s, uh, the center of the Arab world was Egypt and Levant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, lately, it's, go- it's the Gulf. Right. But it's very interesting to see that some regions have, or some countries have been kept in the periphery mm. of this Arab world. I would say North Africa, I would say Iraq, I would say Yemen, and mm. I would say uh, Sudan. Mm. Countries which have been like culturally very rich, if not the center of the, of the Arab world. Right. Uh, I mean, when you go to Jeddah, when you go to a lot of places in, in Saudi Arabia, you always have like uh, places uh, referring to Andalusia or to mm. Ghanata or to... Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, being true. North African yeah. Algerian, I'm the descent of Andalusia. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's very uh, that's very interesting. Um, Yemen is the same thing, or Iraq, yeah. and uh, but because the the first Arab Renaissance, I'm talking about the first because I do expect mm-hmm. a new Another one. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nahda al Arabiya was born in the Levant, mm-hmm. like Lebanon, Syria, and to some extent also to to, to Egypt, which actually, I mean imposed a certain domination of of the Arab world, Arab culture, and the Arab language, Arabic language. Yeah. You know, it's very funny that, I mean, being Sudanese, I'm sure quite often when you speak, people tell they you, they, they say, oh, no, but that's not an Arabic world, but that's not an Arabic world. When you look, it's an Arabic world, but it's just yeah. like when people in the late 90s decided to unify the language, yeah. they choose their own dialect. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's yeah. a form of soft power, by the way. Yes, yeah, it is. Media... A soft power at the yeah, end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah. Today we all share the common lang- tongue of English, even though there were three Arabs behind the microphone right now. Yeah, right. That's true. But that is. Al Asaf, no, no, not Al Asaf. Yeah, Sufyan demanded that oh, we did. do this episode okay. in Arabic. I was like, sorry, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the it's the export of American yeah. culture and American media, right? That in itself is a form of soft so power. So that brings about like the next question, yeah. which is, what do you think are the new things that are influencing the Arab identity at the moment. So one would be, mm-hmm. for example, like you said, the fact that there are three Arab Arabs sitting behind mics talking English. Yeah. I mean, so what are the new influences? Um, I think one is that the quote unquote, the democratization of media is just the fact that now I can create my, I'm not limited mm-hmm. to Levant and Egyptian um, export of culture through media anymore. Right. Right. I have access and I have a responsibility that I could do the same thing now. That's something I couldn't do before, which is, um, I don't know if you know, Qaswara, uh, Qaswara who is um, the CEO of U-Turn Productions mm-hmm. from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. He was speaking at Dubai Links a couple of years ago, and he said that um, that Saudi television and the, the traditional Saudi media does not represent them. 
a right. Saudi and their 73% of the population is below the age of 30. So what the birth of U-Turn and, um, you know, Saudi kids creating amazing content online, he's like, we're exporting our culture for ourselves to speak for us, to share our yeah. narrative and to change the perceptions of Saudi Arabia. Um, one of the trends is now that we're combating stereotypes, we're combating uh, racism, we're combat combating different issues through the power of media, through, and, in some, and to be quite frank, the way I we're doing it ourselves is that we're trying to combat it through messages of love and peace and um, togetherness as opposed to trying to fight fire with fire because that, if that's not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is why Saudi is doing so well because they do it, they mask it in comedy. Right. So I'm masking social commentary and all the issues in comedy and it works. Um, I chose to keep the canon English, even though I actually have a, an Arabic version of the show that's been branded that was ready to go live. I held on it for a while because... I started getting messages from Americans that didn't under that they're like, you sound just like us and you're Arab. We didn't know such people existed. Right. We didn't know Islam was like that. So, so that brings up an interesting point also, because how there's how we're being portrayed in our local media, yeah. but then there's also the portrayal of Arabs in Western media. Yeah. And there's this kind of, I guess, you, you don't feel represented in either to us. No, no, you don't. I guess, I guess yeah. it depends. I mean, what, what Ahmad just said is quite important. It depends to who you want to speak also. Right. And at the beginning, you know, when I started the Confused Dab, I mean, my target was clearly uh, out from the diaspora. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, because I do consider Dubai being the biggest <laughs> diaspora city because it's one of the only cities in the world where you can have it is. Kuwaiti, Sudanese, and Algerian at the same table. Yeah. London, maybe, Paris less, but for me, Dubai is a diaspora city. Most important thing, I mean, is to know to who, I mean, who you are targeting. Who's your target? Mm -hmm. Who's your target? That's very important. Yeah. Because quite often I tend to think that we do things for Westerners. Yeah. Still, huh? which I think is, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I don't know, I'm trying to do things for hours from the diaspora, but at the same time, when I'm seeing like so many energy from the region, I'm like, we need to do things also for people here. Yeah. yeah. And which to some extent is also like pushing us to use Arabic. Yeah. Because I agree. Yeah. And I mean, we need to oblige ourselves. Yeah. It's a commitment. And I think too that funny it's just funny. That's why I ended up taking on like Arabic interviews on yeah. television and on Arabic right. radio stations. Like I was getting on and speaking in Arabic. And I was like, I would just push to speak in like Sudanese Arabic to kind of just get that across. Because when one of the common questions I used to get asked a lot is like, why did I start the show or why did I start right. the con? And my answers were always the same. Like in Arab medium, Sudanese tend to be so racially profiled and marginalized mm -hmm. that it we come at, under such negative light. Like you're talking about the lazy stereotype. Right. One of the questions I always tell me, I was like, introduce me to a lazy Sudanese and I will hold back on my cons. Right. Especially when they try to throw it in as you're like, oh, you know, the comment I get a lot is, yo, you're not lazy for a Sudanese, huh? Huh? And people laugh. Yes, I'm like, exactly. And I'm like, no, no, tell me a lazy Sudanese that you've met. Right. Right. And I will, I will pull back That's because crazy. like I will outwork yeah. anybody any day of the week. Yeah. yeah right. Um, so I, I don't, I don't allow for that joke to kind of go through. Yeah. Um, so this was one issue. And then in Western media, we're perceived very negatively. So my, the creation of my show was to speak to that. To mm. represent that but also there is a bigger collective we which was not about me eventually it's other people that's why okay, i was lebanese right reem is iraqi right. you know we have a different audience that we speak to as well right. um and in that essence the creation of it was to be able to say okay we as arabs are actually 
there is hope, there is uh, a better avenue for it, there is a statement of togetherness, there is a cultural message that we're trying to push for as much as possible. And, you know, there's people that get it and kind of come into come into it. There are people that don't. And the ones that don't, I'm like, why don't you? And let's talk it through and let's yeah. figure each other out and let's learn about each other, right? Because um, we have kisra, we eat with our hands, right? Yeah. Um, we have biryani. You also happen to eat with your hands. Yeah. You call, uh, Emiratis call rice aish. Yeah. In Sudan, we call bread aish. Yeah. The same word, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Emiratis khashim is their nose. In Sudan, khashim is your lips. Oh, right? okay. So yeah. then, like, but we shared something. Bunya. <laughs> huh? We say bunya. Bunya, right? For a punch, like Sudanese and Nigerian, right? Interesting. So, like these little things. So there is a uh, there is a sense of togetherness that we can actually develop. And the idea is that okay, let's leverage and use media for this um, positive messaging, and, de- and let's have these conversations. Let's have the discourse. Let's disagree and let's debate and let's kind of grow from that together. So I constantly try to push for that as much as possible um, on the shows. And like Sufyan does it spectacularly with a lot of his artwork. And one one of the things I love about him is like his Insta story series. Yeah, are amazing. Incredible. Where he if takes, you guys are not following the Confused Arab on Instagram, yes. you need to. His Instagram stories are Right, Amazing. incredibly, and like yeah. what what's great about it is like it's topical. So something would happen, yeah, and it'll trigger him, and then he'll decide to educate everybody on yeah. it, and he'll have this series of just breaking down the origin of the word, how things came about, and what's the history of it, and what does it mean today's context and the yeah. slang, and he kind of gives you a full picture of it, and I loved it, and like that's part of the same journey where okay, let's educate each other, and he does it in English, Arabic, and French, yeah. right, which is also pretty cool, um, and I think. Because Omar speaks French, it doesn't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but but point is that like this is where we're going. I we I believe we should be going towards um, whether it's with the can or through social media or any media. And this is the idea of like media is democratized now. You can create that content for yourself. We all have that responsibility. I mean, you got two shows now, right? And you're developing your third and your yeah, next yeah, show. Yeah, so yeah. You know, it's part of that journey for but all it's, of us. Yeah, it's interesting because like like you said, I mean, hopefully then the coming shows are going to be in Arabic. But like Sofian said, we we do things for the Western media. Like I realized only recently that I always introduce myself as Mishari. Mm. not Mshari, even though <laughs> Mshari is my name. Yeah. But like, I'm just so used to making it easier because from when I was a kid, I was in English schools and I had to make my name easy enough for Westerners to be able to pronounce it. Yeah. So that's just how I introduced myself. And it was one of those things that was flagged to me by Hind, Majid's wife, yeah. uh, my business partner's wife. And it was just like, she was like, what's your name? And I'm like, Mshari. And she's like, what's your name? I'm like, Mshari, Mshari. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, and then like now I've made an effort of like, okay, if I'm introducing myself to a Westerner, I say Mshari. The onus is on him. He's <laughs> the one it. that has to figure out how to yeah. say my name. You know, I shouldn't have to make it easier. It's so funny him. too that recently we've realized like when we were kids, my younger brother had a racist teacher and I didn't clock till recent because I don't know. Um, um, we had a cousin from out of town that came in and he remembers my brother like last time I saw him when he was a kid and he goes like and my brother's name is Mubarak right mm-hmm. and he goes like so what's up Murphy and we're like huh and we remembered my brother's English teacher in first grade couldn't say Mubarak so she's like I'm gonna call you Murphy damn <laughs> yeah and I just we just recently remembered that because like he came to town and he's joking about it right <laughs> oh and I'm like God. wait a second that's right we for, I was like, we completely <laughs> forgot about that. But like, you know, to that point, it's like, um, no, no, no. It's, it, at least, you know, it was in first grade, but I think it was also my parents. They should have been like, Lada, Mubarak. Yeah. You got to figure out how to get this right, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, right, it's so, so funny. <laughs> Sufyan, two biggest things influencing the Arab identity right now. You're called a cultural cartographer, yes. right? That was what Très you were bien. called in Vogue magazine. Très bien. Yeah, so uh, tell me, <laughs> what are the two biggest things? I wanted to say something else before. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I've just wanted to speak about Dubai. Go quickly. for it. I mean, uh, the fact that Dubai is, um, is a great place also just to live proudly an Arab identity. Mm. Uh, I've been a bit critical saying that we, uh, we all, I mean, we live here and we speak English like more than Arabic, but it's a question of choice. It's a question of choice. Like you need to speak Arabic uh, as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you go to a restaurant, when you meet with other Arabs, that's very important. That's uh, it's something Sorry. that you need to very true. make sure. Why I'm telling you that? Because uh, even though I'm probably French, I have no problem with that. I grew mm. up in France, and uh, but it's more difficult to give uh, role models or just to give models of cultural pride. And I think that Dubai, I can't, I will never forget the first time I came here and I saw like some sky, uh, skyscrapers and Arabic letters, like Arabic text written on it. Yeah. It showed me that Arabic and like that Arabic and modernity can go together. I don't mean that skyscrapers are the only way of, uh, to, to modernity, but I mean mm. that when you go to uh, Dubai Future Foundation, when you go to, right. to, I mean, it's very important just to keep Arabic as a, a modern language. True. Very true. Yeah. Okay. I like how you got that. I wanted to get that. I knew I was yeah. going to say something like, yeah, that should have been on camera. I'm like, I got to get this. Okay. So back to my question. Two biggest things affecting Arab identity today. Positively or negatively? Uh, either way. Give me one for each. One of each. One of each yeah. <laughs> I would say media. Media is good for both. But yes. like... Okay, but here no, no, gave I would that say, answer. Okay, so, like, so, no, no, so. <laughs> <laughs> he took media. You can't I take media. You <laughs> um, got me. I don't know. Like, no, no, I'm just thinking. Think because, about it. No, 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 no I'm just like, thinking because I don't like just to think about yeah. like imposing a positive or negative things on yeah. the. What? I feel like I'm trying to shoot an example. Like, right, right. No, no, no. <laughs> no, because unfortunately, writing, you know, like. It's quite sad when you look the number of books mm -hmm. yeah. which are written in Arabic yeah. that are less than the books written in Portuguese. Mm. Whereas Arabic, you know, is one of the... Yeah. I mean, I'm quite sad when you go to any bookshop here, you see that the Arabic... The Arabic segment. Uh, is yeah, Arabic smaller. book segment is, is very small. Why? Because wow. we don't oblige ourselves. Yeah. Is that is that a Dubai thing or is that an Arab thing in general? No, it's, a, it's an Arab thing in mm. general. I can see, like, I can give you, like... So when you go to places names. that are, like, Arabic first... Like, I would tell you, like, a very famous uh, Arab author, mm. uh, she's Algerian, by the way, uh, Ahlam Mustaghani. Mm -hmm. Ahlam is considered as one of the biggest, I mean, lately, uh, contemporary yeah. uh, Arab writer. But unfortunately, quite often people are proud saying, yeah, she's been translated in more than 35 languages. Mm. Why? Yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you're not translated in any other languages, it means that you're not famous mm. enough. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I, I mean, okay, it's a KPI. It's a yeah. also just to say that. <laughs> but I mean that it's just a business. I would say the, inter the internet, internet, like it's not a media, but the internet mm. is uh, is a great factor actually for uh, for the Arab identity, like positively or negatively. Why? Because negatively, we also bad images affecting. Our countries, our images, saying exactly what's going on in a lot of countries of the region, which actually brings you, you know, like mm. negativity. You're like, yeah, 
So this, uh, my mother keeps like sending me like images from all over the world, and yeah. yeah. And at the same time, um, internet, Instagram, Snapchat are a great way also just to see how uh, the youth in the region mm -hmm. is um, is incorporating like new or modern technology mm -hmm. to their daily life. I think the worst thing mm -hmm. to Arab in terms of trend, uh, WhatsApp. We just forward stuff. Um, all you know, aunties, um, <laughs> uncles, like y'all need to stop forwarding things without double checking this. The source of that. My aunts, they like they, they call my mother and they're like, yeah, no, my beard is not. Yeah, it's like just, just double check your sources before you forward these videos. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay, guys. So these are like a few questions that we just kind of that we ask all the guests. Yeah. So. What part of the culture you grew up in do you carry with you always? Ooh, um, one of my favorite things that I always like to carry with me is the uh, hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah, all the time. Um, and just like everybody else, I will fight you for the bill. And uh, I always, I always <laughs> love that. It's just, it's, it's, it's just beautiful in its essence, this idea of like, La wallah, I got you. And you know, yeah. this thing. And that moment is when you, I feel like, Arab, right, right, and I love that. Um, so that's one thing for sure. What about you, Sufyan? Uh, being straightforward, which is very Algerian, like it can be a good, uh, it can be perceived as, very, as being aggressive, mm -hmm. but being very straightforward. Okay, like I need to hang out with more Algerians, <laughs> people do not appreciate my straightforwardness. <laughs> no. Um, and what is the quality you most value in the people you keep around you? Oh, um. I think it's it's uh, it's two things. One is that um, they're visionaries, mm -hmm. and more importantly, um, we we think too big intentionally because we think in the space of we think in causing change. We think in whether it's a cultural change, whether it's a business economic change, um, and that's constantly the cycle we think in, and we're always thinking that big of you know in the next 10 years, what is the change that I'm going to impact around me? And these, like, I mean, Reem uh, is such a powerful machine in that way, mm. um, in the way she thinks, in the way she wants to change things. And so is uh, Akawi is learning that right now. And we always think that, of, yeah. okay, what is the biggest change I want to instill? Eventually, you want not just the city, but the entire region to know your name for causing change, right? right? And that's something we always think about. Sofian, same question. <laughs> one of the answers actually looks like a bit like what Ahmad said it's um, ambition it's mm -hmm. very important to be with people who are like ambitious ambitious to personal change but also like general change like not just staying as Hajarai you know like just like a stone without mm -hmm. without being willing to change things and the second one which is I mean very important and linked also to um, to ambition is generosity it's mm -hmm. like uh, you're ambitious, but not just for yourself, for the people around you. So generosity means that you can spend time. I mean, you consider that you're not selfish just for yourself. You will spend time with friends. You will spend time with people when they need you. And uh, yeah, and being generous also on advice and other things also. Okay, amazing. And the last one is, what makes you happy? 
Oh, people. Tamis. Tamis. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Tamis. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I think it's, it's the people I surround myself with and the family I've chosen. Asida. Uh, Ramadan, time's gone. You guys, uh, everybody's invited. I'll see that mine as soon as Ramadan hits. So Amazing. You're all, you're all, you're all there. <laughs> you're all welcome to come through. Cool. Um, so people. Yeah, always. Um, people in my business. Like I, I drown in it at times, yeah. and that's all I do. And I don't see anybody for a few weeks, but it, it does. It's very. It's not only fulfilling. It generally makes me really happy. I it's amazing it. when you love what you do and you yeah, find yeah. it fulfilling. I love right. it. So two things: learning. Learning. Yeah. Like I'm. I hope, inshallah, I will learn things until the end of my my yeah, days, <laughs> end of my life. That's very important, just yeah. to learn, like with every people, like. And it's well, so I love being here. It's because like you can learn so many things from a lot of people. I know it sounds a bit like yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, and the second one is food, because food. food I mean, my mother's food, but also like food in general, because yeah. um, you generally like I don't like to eat alone. Mm. So you, it's sharing. You're always sharing things, mm. and people always have like a food of a lot of stories and experiences around food. So. Okay, very cool. I don't know. I don't look like somebody like eating <laughs> a lot, but I do. He met, I guess you go to the gym. Huh? That's what I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys so I would have so said much. food, but I've been, I've been on my training re- regimen. So oh, really? Food, yeah, yeah we've, I've heard about that. Ask me on Friday. It's food okay. on Fridays. <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys so much for being on today's episode. Thank you. Um, thank you. Where can people go to find you uh, if they want to hear about you, you or right, the um, projects you're working on? All right, so you can just hit me up anywhere at OT Official, which is just OT for Omar Tom, and the Can Media or the Can Show. Just cool. anywhere online, you'll find me. Sufyan? The Underground. At the ConfusedArab.com. Yeah. At the Confused Arab, right? Yeah. Cool. All right, so thanks for everyone for listening. I always love your comments and messages, so keep them coming. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Rami or wherever you're listening. Join me next week for another episode of Millennial Mirrors. This is Mshad Al-Anazi signing out. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.